Episode 3. Wow, can you believe it? I wasn't even sure there was going to be an episode 2. But more than that, um, here's the deal with episode 3 of OG Oda. I contacted Substance J once again to be on the show to talk about buying really inexpensive um, anime and video games directly from Japan in a segment called buying video games by the pound and it turned out to run so long and that and 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 the segments i had already recorded for episode three were also so long that i didn't think anyone really i mean i didn't want to ship like a two and a half hour show so actually episode three and four are pretty much done so this one is going to be the conversation with substance j about that and i haven't listened to this in a while so as i'm editing this i'm going to check it out and uh, i'll get back with you after that's over when it comes to buying video games i've always been the proponent of the if you wait long enough everything is five bucks uh theory which is uh the sort of thing maybe this comes from a brief period of time working at a video store or whatever but i've noticed that uh People are basically killing themselves to get a game. They'll trade in everything they have to get the newest Madden game, you know, and, and, and they trade in a bunch of stuff for it. They get hundred and, you know, it's shit that costs $400 for them to obtain in the past. And they'll sell it all to you for, for, for $49.99 to get the new game. And next year, that game is just one more thing in the pile to get the new thing because things depreciate so much. Uh, the great thing about this is that if you can at least temporarily live 20 years in the past, you can get all your games for essentially free. So uh, once again, we have uh, Substance J here to talk about the concept of buying games based on their mass volume. Like literally how much do they weigh? Because that's how much they cost. Yeah, like what does the Japanese like surface uh, postal service charge to oh, haul a crate full of shit? And it's like whatever fits in there, that's what you buy. Man, you're cheaper than I am. I I always spring for EMS because no, it's, it's so fast. You're blowing it, your whole margin. I, yeah, my margin is bad, but I, um, a lot of times you deal. I deal with sellers that are just like won't. They'll only do EMS for some reason. Oh I, well, I, yeah. See, I, I that's okay. I guess we'll get into the whole methodology here briefly. But I always look for that uh, that cutoff, like. All orders oh. over a hundred dollars must be sent EMS, so I make sure to get mm-hmm. in at ninety nine. I buy like ten <laughs> extra copies of uh, Captain Subasa just to make it in there. 
Yeah, you got to shove it up, shove it down, whatever it takes to, yep. get, to get it. You're not worth our time, you know. That's that's the thing I don't get is why. We'll go into that later. Like, why is this worth anyone's time? Okay, so what are we talking about? Well, you know, I remember reading an EGM some time ago, a uh, long time ago, like in 93 or something. Somebody mentioned something in there, like how... Because we didn't really have a much of a used game market, whereas Japan did. Um, and they would say, like, you know, you just paid $60 for Final Fight, but there's a used copy of that in Japan for $5, you know. And I was like, there's no way. There's no way. There's a Super Famicom game for $5. That's impossible. Well, definitely. They're definitely... And they cost was. even more there, too, so that's even greater depreciation. Yeah, it was a $100 game and down to $95. I was trying to get a $60 game. <laughs> and and, and the, the interesting thing is I've games used games in Japan... Uh, are really cheap. I mean, real estate, I am assuming, is a major factor, but this shit isn't worth anything. Like, I, maybe, okay, our NES games are pretty cheap, but, um, like, their Super NES games are cheap. Our Super NES games are never cheap. Especially like, not lately. $10 is about as low as you can get them to go, maybe 7 mm-hmm. And those are really bad. And then there's another problem with, like, the... Um, the RPGs, which is what everyone wants now, those were so underproduced that they're never cheap. Like if you want an Earthbound or a Dragon Quest, well, Dragon there were no Super Famicom, no, no, were no Super NES uh, Dragon Quest games here. But Dragon Quest Five is a completely worthless game in Japan, and and they can read it. Okay, <laughs> so it's like Americans are like, oh, I don't don't think I really want Dragon Quest Five in Japanese. I'll just be bumbling through it. And also, uh, screw that. But like, if that existed, if there was an American Dragon Quest V Super NES, it would be a $90 game or a $70 game. And over there, it isn't worth anything. Well, you know, Earthbound kind of precipitated this whole kind of uh, buying binge for me because I didn't realize that that game was even sought after. And I guess part of it's due to like kind of a YouTube game reviewer bubble that people have just like discovered it and trumped up its value. But that shit sells for like 300 bucks now. Earthbound does? Yeah. Well, I thought it was still under 100 for a cart or like the big box or what? Just well, if you get the big box, that's like easily like 300 bucks, but I mean, people are trying to pass off loose cartridges for 2-300. And somebody, I don't know if it was all a prank or not, but somebody took a screen grab of two eBay auctions. One of them was from like October of last year and the other was December. And the copy had very specific cosmetic damage to it. And you could tell that somebody had bought it for 100 bucks and was trying to flip it for 175 like two weeks later. Oh, I can see, yeah. I have no doubt that that's that. That happens with the turbo stuff big time. Like, there's basically just a group of people that buy everything. And then once, the thing is, if it's a rare enough commodity, Earthbound, I don't think is that rare. I mean, it was a Nintendo product. Um, but if it's a, if it's a unique enough commodity, you can actually single-handedly control a significant portion of the market. I mean, you can buy enough copies to, to just ruin everything for everybody. <laughs> totally, <laughs> Much totally like the possible. one cent magenta, it's kind of just uh, a trickle down <laughs> version of that. The, there's like with Laserdisc, there's a market, um, there, there's a, there are a couple sellers. There's one guy. Dadon uh, on eBay, who's like, yeah, I have over forty thousand laser discs, and he has like everything, and he's charging supreme prices. 
And I think he has so much stuff. He has so many high buy it nows on eBay that he's changed the landscape of what stuff is worth like by himself. And because it's a small enough scene that you can actually do that. And a lot of stuff that he has is Japanese imports. But what I find, like, the margins, I don't know what he's paying. But if he's if he's actually, even if he's not capable of actually going to Japan, you can find this shit with sellers that will sell you it from Japan and flip it for prices still lower than his and make a killing. Because, I mean, Laserdisc is like a thing where all but the greatest stuff is completely worthless now. And you can buy these, you know, I'm buying like some like Princess Mononoke. This is common as hell. Okay. A little more, not super cheap because it is a good movie and it's a good laser disc and it's a double disc and it's kind of special. Um, but I mean, you can get Princess Mononoke for five bucks easy in Japan. But if Dadan has a copy, it'll be 50, you know, it'll be $60 or something. And he's, yeah, he's kind of, uh, I wonder if it weren't for those guys, if this stuff would be even cheaper. <laughs> I think it's possible. I'm wondering, I'm a little afraid, how long is it going to take for Japan to wise up to the the export market and start boosting prices? Because like you said, I mean, you wonder why some of these people even bother. I mean, selling yeah. a game for one cent or a dollar or, you know, whatever. That's my greatest, my greatest fear isn't that. My greatest fear is that my favorite shops, like um, Reco Bancho, and Suguya are just gonna go like fuck this and just throw all this crap in the dumpster like tomorrow, and it's just gonna be gone because I'm paying so little for this shit. There's no why is it worth the space? Because this is large stuff, you know. <laughs> like laser discs are huge, uh, and they they're heavy, and every time you have to move shop, you're like, oh no, not the laser discs. <laughs> you gotta move. It's like moving CRTs. You just you just grown thinking about it it it's clearly just not worth anything uh to illustrate a point of how cheap this shit is i am on ebay right now looking at wholesale super famicom lot 100 nintendo snes japan sfc cartridges the lot has a name 2221 sfc is this yamatoku classic no it's hit japan and they have multiple auctions with the exact same description and they're $100 each and there are 100 Super Famicom games and the, and if you look at this lot it's like they literally threw them all in a pile took a I mean threw them in a pile like they're not stacked or anything took a picture of it and the next pile is a completely different picture so they're different stuff and there's multiple pictures of the pile they don't have a list because they're like we're not typing it's not worth typing up the names <laughs> of the games they're that just like completely valueless but i'm looking at this picture okay we have a dragon quest 5 a gradius 3 we have a uh, seiken densetsu 2 super mario rpg star fox cran shin chan garo densetsu 1 we have Mega Man x2 that's like a 90 dollar game for the american version of that right we have a super game boy we have uh pinocchio capcom pinocchio we have uh that Mickey's Magical Quest thing, the first Saga game, um, Ogre Battle. That's another $100 game in America. I do wonder about some of these piles because sometimes I see them and I see like, okay, there's a couple Mario games on top and then I see like a Street Fighter 2 Turbo peeking out and then I just wonder like, are there 
80 copies of pit fighter buried under there somewhere <laughs> there's uh there's actually a, a super street fighter 2 and a uh street fighter 0 2 which is <clears throat> rather expensive game in the united states i don't know why it's garbage on super famicom it's like my favorite fighting game ever but i don't even have it on super famicom because i think it's think it sucks there's a uh, puyo puyo 2 there's a see, street fighter 2 turbo dragon ball 2 this is a giant pile of shit and then you go into like the next auction and there's another giant pile of shit. And this one has money of the same games in it. But, um, you know, these things that they sold higher a number of copies. So that makes them valueless. But I have to wonder, like, are the Japanese just more obedient about buying virtual console ROMs or something? Why don't they value this stuff? Yeah, I, I honestly, I feel like I should have some kind of hypothetical explanation, but I have nothing. Well, this has some sort of object in it that I, I can't identify. <laughs> Wait, there's two objects in here I can't identify. Two games that have auxiliary cartridge slots in them. Hmm. Like Super Game Boys, but they're not. One is, oh, look at that, it looks like some pachinko bullshit. And then the other one is, oh, RPG Maker 2. Now, have you ever bought one of these big bulk lots like this? Not a huge one, no. I've bought smaller ones. Lately, I buy things individually from cheap shops. Uh, 100 games, a a dollar a piece for Super Famicom games. I mean, I'm tempted. I mean, you know, 100 bucks, you say, well, you could spend that in a night out. So why not spend a night in and play a hundred Super Famicom games and never touch <laughs> hundred? Oh, oh! I just saw a glimpse of something, Momotaro Dentetsu, which you know there's seventy five copies of in the bottom. Of this. <laughs> <laughs> the game is so worthless. It's like uh, for people that don't know, Momotaro is like Hudson Soft's um, copyrighted version of the Peach Boy legend, and there he is in two major series: the Dentetsus and the Densetsus. The densetsus are just RPGs. The dentetsus, it's a pun. It's a it's a board game where you run a train empire. So it's like take the A train kind of a thing with uh, Momotaro on it. And they make a new one of these like every year. I think there was a, there's a PlayStation Two one or PlayStation Three one or something that's like Momotaro Dentetsu fourteen or something like that. They've made a lot of these things, so they're all worthless. You know, the old ones completely worthless. Look, there's a Final Fantasy VI in there. There's a uh, Super Mar. What is that? Super Mario Collection? Is that what they call uh, Mario All Stars in Japan? Yeah, that was Mario All Stars. There's a Zelda in there. Oh man, I had a friend of mine who wanted. Oh, Derby Stallion too. Fuck, I think I own two copies of that already, <laughs> just by accident. <laughs> um, the, I had a friend of mine trying to sell me a massive Super Famicom lot. And he showed me it, and it came with a system in the box, which always sweetens the pot. And I, and I was looking at it, I'm like, oh, my God, it's 212 games. This is, oh, this is going to be great. So I actually went through and I itemized. Like, I looked down, I, I tried to put a value on every one of the games in it. You know, and, and it was a buck on a lot of them, you know, because Derby Stallion, oh, three copies of Derby Stallion. I think this third copy is worth leaving less than the first two copies. So I I got it all down to there. I'm like, oh, this isn't worth shit. This is worth like $350 maybe. And uh, he he ultimately sold it off to somebody else instead because I, I basically decided not only was I not going to pay for it, 
that I didn't even I didn't even actually want it. <laughs> I mean, even if it was if it was like fifty bucks, I would have got it. But I mean, it was so much garbage. And I think that's the thing. These 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 poor shops in Japan, they're just so overexposed. Like here's a yellowed copy of Dragon Ball Z. Oh, that's the good one. Oh, what's that thing called? Well, yeah, I can relate to this issue more and more as I continue this habit because um, I'm starting to run out of space to store cartridges. I'm looking for boxes and you know, old <laughs> milk cartons beside the road. I mean, I didn't anticipate really having this problem back when I was a teenager and like buying a game from Japan was actually yeah, like a big undertaking. $115. <laughs> Super Famicom was so expensive. It's like there were plenty of $130 games. Oh yeah, like ninety was about as low as you could ever get them to go. But yeah, I I look at this and I go like, am I not taking time to smell the roses on this? <laughs> because this is like this any of these games. I mean, they all took a thousand man hours to make. You know, the shitty ones, and the good ones took even a lot more than that. And how is it we've just stuck them in a pile? They're in a pile, man. Like that's not right that they be in a pile. They should be at least stacked up, neatly <laughs> organized. Piles are how you, that's how you throw like uh, races of people you don't want to exist anymore. <laughs> you know, like it's a mass grave. I'm, I'm imagining like, a ship with like a conveyor belt just taking the bulk yeah. cartridges and dumping them into a holding tank. So am I doing Something the right thing way. by by d- doing like Transatlantic Passage 2? <laughs> basically doing... Is this is this morally correct, like keeping alive? Because they will have to go in dumpsters, right? I mean, how can they not go into dumpsters? I guess the Super Famicom cards are so durable and light and small, they probably will outlast the laser discs. Well, I guess it's our job now to rescue them from that fate. So we're, we're doing well. Maybe our part this here. podcast will uh, will get more people interested in this crazy uh, fad. Here we have. A lot. The Dragon Quest 1 and 2 remake on Super Famicom, plus 3, 4, 5, and 6. No, 3, 5, and 6. No, wait. 3, 5, and 6. There was no 4. 4 was Famicom only, I guess, remade, because it was originally Famicom. But anyway, yeah, 4 Dragon Quest games for uh, 1760. That's that's a very precise quantity of money. (laughs) That is. 1760. Man, that's a good deal. There was an old... uh, there was an old article on Insert Credit where Tim Rogers talks about buying Final Fantasy VI like over and over and over again just to see what people named their characters. Because you can take a cartridge and then like just go trade it in and get and buy another one for fifty yen difference. You know, <laughs> take it home, see what the names are, see what that guy did with his characters. Because the characters were so customizable that when you put someone else's game in, you'd be like, "Wow, what's going on here? He leveled up his his cook." To like one thousand, <laughs> he really liked the cook. Uh, he gave all the cool, uh, all the cool magicite to realm or Arena, whatever her name was. Uh, that that's the thing. Like these games, these hundred hour RPGs. Somebody put tons of time into these things. Well, you know that that's a, a really cool aspect that I enjoy. I really hate to admit it because that means there's a parallel between me and Tim Rogers, which is frankly disturbing to me. But <laughs> Like, I've done this with Virtual Pro Wrestling 2 on the N64 because it's battery-backed. Like, if you buy a copy of Fire Pro used, you don't get to see what other people's edits were, if it's, you know, for Saturn or whatever. Yeah, they keep that on the system. But you buy this copy of VPW, and, I mean, I went through, like, three of them until I got one where a guy had put in, like, 
thousands of hours making edits and recostuming every character, and it was just insane. And then he sold it. Yeah, why did he do that? But I, did he die? I don't know. And someone probably stole it. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> well, you know, for a lot of people, um, obviously not me, but for a lot of people, like their um, rabid fandom is only one summer of their life. It's like the first year in college when the classes aren't that hard. You can just like spend a shitload of time on something. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they go too far. You know, like those are the people that are just like way too obsessed with their fanness. But, uh, and they'll forget about it, I think. You know, that it's actually possible that they would have like made a combo tape, you know, <laughs> and then and then it slipped their mind because later on in life they, they were just not the sort of people that made combo tapes. That's that's possible. I've never experienced that problem myself. I've I've got a a deeper disorder that I hang on to the stuff. I can't stop, and even if I could stop, I can't admit I can't like allow myself to be the sort of person that gives up on anything, pretty much. So uh, I pretend to still be into everything, <laughs> even if I'm not. I'm like, oh yeah, sure, I still play NES. Of course, I never really did play NES that much, but yeah. I still, you know, I just fired up my PC Engine for the first time in like two months. But I like to consider myself to be hardcore PC Engine guy because I can't let go of the memory. It's so, kind of your trademark, frankly. I bet, yeah. I mean, that's probably the Laserdisc thing, <laughs> pretty much. That's the ultimate indication of that. I've been buying lately uh, Laserdiscs totally by volume. Like, the price of what shit costs is almost completely irrelevant because I'll be like, you know, fleshing out some Gundam series and like, oh, this episode is 60 yen and this episode is 110 yen. Who cares? <laughs> like, it doesn't matter because it's going to cost $1.80 to ship it. <laughs> like, the, uh, I've, I've, the box sets are the things that are actually kind of amazing because w- when I look at some of these box sets, like they've depreciated way more than 90%. Like uh, a big score recently for me was the entire original Gundam series, which didn't come out on home video at all until 1998, amazingly. And it had depreciated from around eight or $900 to $25. <laughs> and so I bought it, but oh yeah, it, it costs like 70 bucks. 80 bucks or something like that to ship that thing because it's so freaking huge it's uh i don't know 14 or 15 discs so it's pretty big heavy uh other good deals some of the ones uh, this goes back to the dragon quest thing is that the biggest selling games the ones people would kill for are the most worthless ones now because there are only so many super famicom games uh people playing games so you know it's like we don't need that was a million seller well there are only 90,000 hardcore super famicom fans left in japan so they all have 12 copies of this game and don't want it even the ones that they have that's kind of the problem with the laser discs like zeta gundam which was a massive hit um that's not worth anything anymore because it's just too easy to come by i mean it's literally five bucks for the half boxes two five dollar half boxes and you're set but then there are those weird ones where um, th- there are a few that were massive enough and not didn't sell enough. They're still worth something. Like the Ursa Yatsura box, which is uh, the biggest laserdisc box of all time. It was 50 discs. 
came in two twenty-five half boxes. Originally cost, um, I don't know, thousands of dollars. I don't remember what the price was on it. It was enormous. Uh, that's still worth over two hundred dollars. Um, the original price, I don't know why. It was it was a lot. It might have been like three thousand, four thousand bucks. So even getting it for two fifty is it's kind of expensive, but it's still pretty cheap when you think about it. That's a lot of freaking lum to watch. <laughs> that is, but you know, that reminds me of another thought I had is uh as much as I'm like angry and disdainful of people trying to sell Earthbound for three hundred bucks, you know, you take a look at the Saturn library and if you think back to, you know, if it's nineteen ninety seven and you're ordering all this stuff over the phone from NCS or whatever. Yeah, diehard game club. In a way you actually still come out on top. Yeah, exist diehard game club. You still came out on top, even if you waited all this time and had to pick up the expensive shit like Radiant Silver Gun. Oh yeah, Radiant Silver Gun's only like three hundred bucks. Yeah, I mean, you know that fifty dollar copy of Sega Rally that's now fifty cents at the most. Yeah, that does a <laughs> lot to pay for that Radiant Silver Gun. Saturn has this reputation. Uh, same thing with PC Engine. They're like, oh, this is expensive to collect for. No, it's not. <laughs> uh, not really. I mean, I mean. It, if you have there a wide those, enough taste, you can find just about anything for cheap. Yeah, there are a few of those games. Like I was, um, there's always your psychic killer Tarumaro thing, you know, that's three hundred dollars, and that's a lot. But like Marvel Hero Superheroes versus Street Fighter, it's like three bucks, if not thirty cents. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so that was a one sixty dollar game you don't need. Recently, I I bought Astro Superstars which is a valuable Saturn game, sort of. I bought it back after selling it for some fucking reason. It wasn't a very good reason <laughs> a long time ago. And I had to pay like $90 for it, but I only paid $60 for it when it was new. So I only got gouged out of $30. Meanwhile, um, a lot of games like Saturn Bomberman, which is you know a top five Saturn game, worthless, worthless. You know, it isn't worth anything, a couple dollars. You you're, get, you're talking about the Japanese version, right? Yeah, Japanese Saturn Bomberman. You can get the original one or the uh, the Netlink reprint or the Sega Cora. I think there's three prints of it, and they're all like two or three dollars. The American one is worth a hundred bucks. And Rising. Um, yeah, I uh, I eventually sold off my copy of that because the the main advantage of that back in the day over the Japanese one was the Netlink functionality. And I came to the conclusion that that was never going to be used again, <laughs> ever. Hey, if you can find a landline, you can dial me up on that net link. We can get it going. I haven't had a landline in so long. <laughs> I don't. I, 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 and then you gotta like, yeah, it's. I mean, I held on to that shit for a long time. I still have the net link. I still have a Japanese net link, which is really useless because <laughs> it won't even function without cards that I've never even seen before. But there's a. The the thing with uh, I have a keyboard too, but the thing with uh, the Saturn Bomberman is like they dubbed the voices in the American one. Like, why would you bother? Well, in the Japanese one, whenever they drop bombs, they say "shine," <laughs> so it's quite sinister. Uh, in the American one, they just say like cuter things. Um, they, they put a lot of effort into that because it wasn't Hudson that did it; it was Sega, because Hudson was currently out of business at that time when that game came out, Sega thought it would be such a hit 
that they wanted to sell it. So I bought it right when it came out and I held on to it for all this time. And then I was like, I'd like the Japanese one better. I don't like giant cases. This game is worth money. I'm going to get rid of it. <laughs> I don't have no nostalgic value for giant shattered American cases. Yeah, those I things are those uh, things. They're a disaster waiting to happen. But oh, actually, I did something similar just uh, lately in my latest batch that I'm waiting on right now. I got a copy of uh, Japanese Snowbow Kids for oh, N64, N64 to replace my copy of American Snowboard Kids that sells for like 35 bucks. Oh, yeah. And I, I, I paid like $2. There is a, uh, there is a Nintendo like wave of interest that I'm really afraid I'm going to get crushed by. It's quite because... disturbing. Like for the longest time, like even even when I worked when I worked at the game store over a decade ago, you'd you'd go in there and there, it was N sixty four games that people wanted and they thought they'd be cheap, and they'd be like, "Come on, you know they haven't released an N sixty four. They've released one N sixty four game in six months. These things can't be worth anything anymore." Well, they are. They never drop in value. They never ever ever drop in value N sixty four games. I mean, they do, but I mean, they never get into just garbage, you know, nickels and dimes type categories. And I believe GameCube is the new N64 because you can't find... Like, if you want a copy of Super Mario Sunshine, very good condition, like, it, less than 10 bucks would be very hard to do. Oh, that would be practically impossible. Yeah, it's it's basically like 20 or $30. And I don't think they ever greatest hits that game. If they did, I don't recall. Um, I do have a copy of something like the Mario, Paper Mario, and it... And it has like an extra gold badge on the front of it because it was like a, a reprint, classics or million seller or something like that. Uh, but I don't even remember seeing a Mario Sunshine like that. It just never got cheap. And the weird thing about GameCube is, once again, your fan base has shrunk so much that the hot stuff, like Eternal, is Eternal Darkness valuable? Maybe it is. I I, I, I think it's got a following. Yeah, some of that stuff is is not going to be all that valuable like Madden or whatever that people bought. But the things that every hardcore fan wants are now the things that every fan wants because all the fans are hardcore. So I have a GameCube, I have a component video cable, and I have a Hori Game Boy Player controller. You are elite in the GameCube I am totally elite now. by total accident because I, I – here's the thing. I, um, I had a friend who was working for IBM – and she she needed a GameCube for this display she was working on because it has IBM tech in it. Mm-hmm. And the TV didn't have component video. She went out and bought a used GameCube for this display, and it came with a component video cable. She couldn't use it, so she's like, here, have this. So I have that. And then one time I was in the store, and I saw one for nine ninety nine on a bag at Best Buy. And so I bought that one. I ended up with two. Oh, man. And then, and then the Hori, I bought the official, that was in a U.S. that was a U.S. release product. I bought it at Game Crazy for $10. It was marked down. Because the GameCube was valueless for some time. It was like, they made too many of the machine. The machine is has never been worth money. <laughs> the machine was the lowest price console at generation, and to this day is still valueless. I mean, that Hori Game Boy player controller is worth three or four GameCubes. Easily. And it's it's nice. Um but I'm I'm glad I have it for nine bucks because there's no way I'd pay a hundred for it or whatever it goes for now. Yeah, I was really blindsided by the surge in GameCube popularity when I went to this like uh, 
toy and record and comic collectible show, like just every kind of nerd fandom that there was was piled in there. And so there were people selling GameCube games like they were, you know, you know, Silver Special. Age, you know, sealed in bag. <laughs> yeah. This is the um, one with the new, the two flashes meet. It's yeah. 1971. <laughs> oh, boy. I just couldn't believe like Resident Evil remake which was on clearance for the longest time at Fry's for 15 bucks is yeah. now selling higher than original retail price. Yeah, because people didn't know it then, but that was the last good Resident Evil you're ever going to get. <laughs> <laughs> it certainly was. They, 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 they do that because you can't tell when things are happening unless you look back at them and go, oh, that happened. When they're happening, it's very difficult. And so like Super Mario Sunshine, um, if you think about it, because what do we have for Mario now? We have we have these quasi retro uh, 2D things, but for, as far as flagship Mario games, we have Galaxy and Galaxy Two. And you know, Galaxy Two looks a lot like Galaxy One, and I think most people prefer Galaxy One. So the the last real Mario before those was Sunshine. I mean, they're not making these things very rapidly. So if you like Mario, you need Sunshine, and you need a GameCube. And you sure as fuck need a component video cable because holy crap, makes a big difference, especially on your uh, your LCDs that uh, nobody had back then. Um, I don't I don't know what to to do about the cube thing because I haven't even really compiled my list of wants. Like, what do I really want for GameCube? I'm not sure because I'm afraid I'm going to go on eBay and they're all going to be unobtainable. Well, you know, this seems to be kind of symptomatic. I, this must be why the games are so valuable now, is because everybody seems to not have as many GameCube games as they would have liked. Yeah, yeah, because no one prioritized it. Everyone's like, fuck this, I'm getting the PlayStation 2. It's like they do with the Wii, where they're like, yeah, I'm going to, I haven't played my Wii in nine months. I haven't played my Wii in 11 months. I haven't taken my Wii out of the box. Oh, you are God. You are God if you've never taken your Wii out of the box. I never took mine out of the shopping bag. Ooh! <laughs> you know, it's like this bragging rights. I'm always going to play it. But you know, Wii's the next GameCube. I'm almost positive. Because right now, it is at shit levels for value. <laughs> yep. And people are going to look back at that machine, and the hardware is going to be look very quaint. Because the Wii is uh, brilliantly designed uh, hardware-wise. The, the Wii and the, and the Cube both. They're so efficient and and quiet and failure free and it's it's quite amazing. And in a Wii, you know, you get used to seeing just the front face of that of that machine. You're like, there's that slot I never put anything in. But if you pull it off the shelf and you look at it, you're like, wow, I forgot there's a panel on here. It takes GameCube memory cards, you know. And the component video cable costs five bucks for a Wii. <laughs> so that's no big special thing. But right now, the, you know, the Wii U is out. The Wii U doesn't play GameCube games like the Wii does. So people are sort of like, fuck, I need a GameCube or I need a Wii. Well, the Wii is just like a Wii U almost. So I got to get a GameCube. So that drives the GameCube up. But I, I'm a, I, I recently bought the Wii arcade stick for uh, as Tatsunoko versus Capcom on it. A lot of people I know have done this recently. I don't understand why, but it's it's a fad. Well, somebody was just like on some forum I go to that was not Wii related. There's a there must be Wii forums, right? <laughs> I've never seen them. Uh, a lot of I don't know who's there, but uh, I he's like, you know, I got this for sale and it was like that stick and it came with um, 
that game, Tatsu versus Capcom, and it came with like KOF Orochi collection, and I don't even remember what I got in it. But the whole the whole shebang was like forty dollars or something, and I'm like, uh, you know, I can't. I thought I have, you know, I have some virtual console games and stuff, and this stick will be great for it. And then I started playing like KOF, and man, Neo Geo emulation on the Wii is flawless. Yeah, it it's is really so hot. good. And the, the Wii puts out 240p component video, so if you have like an RGB monitor, and you and you and you hook that thing up, I mean, it's indistinguishable from an actual Neo Geo, except. The signal's probably more solid because the capacitors are probably dying in your MVS and making the signal go squiggly. Yeah, it's it's very, very solid. There are a few examples where they change a few things, like in Metal Slug, the, the enemies don't flash the same because they're afraid of epilepsy or something. So, like, that's a bit of a bummer. But, yeah, virtual console emulation is, is actually, the Wii is kind of a perfect virtual console machine. I haven't even cracked mine yet, but you know everyone talks about how great Genesis is on it and everything. I have no, I have no doubt in believing that either because it's really solid. So, what um, can't you get for cheap? Well, surprisingly, I, I kind of wonder if like I'm getting really old and there's a lot of younger people that don't know any better that are getting into this shit because I was looking at copies of Metal Slug for PlayStation. They're going for like more than the Saturn version sometimes. Um, what is that? So, what is the Saturn version worth? Like fifty bucks? Oh, anywhere from fifty to eighty bucks, depending if it's got the RAM cart, you know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But I'm thinking, like, do these people not realize that Street Fighter Alpha Three on Saturn is not the most desirable version of that game? I don't think or they do. King of Fighters '95 on PlayStation is just utter shit that should be avoided. Oh, 95 on PlayStation is not that bad. Uh, that one was okay. Boy, you do not want 98, though. No way. <laughs> that thing is really bad. Like, I literally can't even combo with it because the animation is so cut that, like, my reflexes in my brain are wired to places that don't go anywhere because they're frames that are never going to come up. It's, uh, yeah, that's pretty bad. But I do wonder about that. Um, Street Fighter Alpha 3 on Saturn, yeah, everyone's like, okay, Saturn's 2D machine. Right, so I want Saturn version Alpha three, and I'm like, no, you want the PS two version. Actually, <laughs> that's definitely the one you want. <laughs> the the PS two uh, Street Fighter Alpha anthology is is utterly m- magic. I mean, it's perfect. It has every version of all of those games, including uh, it has Pocket Fighter and Puzzle Fighter on it, and they're not. Uh, yeah, they're they're terrific. And the Saturn version Alpha three is good, but it loads, and like if you have X-Men versus Street Fighter on Saturn, you get there's no load time. You have Marvel Superheroes versus Street Fighter on Saturn, no load time. You think what well, you know, Alpha Three is also gonna not have load time. No, no, it has tons of load time. It uh it's not as bad as PlayStation, but it, it loads. Uh furthermore, there's the thing with Alpha Three is there is a uh, things happen to that game after it came out. It's not like Alpha One where it's there's it just mainly stayed the same, but Alpha Three you had like arcade version, and then you had a PlayStation version. PlayStation version added characters, and changed hitboxes and put special PlayStation polygonal impact effects in things, and then you had Saturn version which which had all those new characters but did not have any of those special. Uh, 
PlayStation properties, as we jokingly referred to them back in the day. And then you have the Dreamcast version, which is a lot like the uh, the PlayStation version, only better because I believe it's pretty much completely l- missing load time. Uh, yeah, there's no... I don't think there is such a thing as a perfect Alpha 3. It's been dicked with so much. But if there is, it might it'd probably be um, PlayStation or the uh, the weird Naomi remake, um, Street Fighter Zero Three Upper, which had all the shit from all the versions, I think, finally crammed into it. But I don't know. Yeah, they don't know. They they, they get there's like a a rule of hype that they follow, and without individually trying them, because I don't know if they, they don't play the games or what. But they're just like, this must be valuable. It's for Turbo Graphics. <laughs> no, no, I no, think YouTube must uh, generate a new kind of like schoolyard uh, word of mouth that's taken as the gospel on some of this stuff. Although I can theoretically, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt and say to myself, well, they've looked at the price of a PS2 Saturn pad, and then they've decided <laughs> they don't want the Alpha Collection there. They need to go back to the Saturn to have a decent controller. Sure, because there's no way you could possibly find a good PS2 controller. <laughs> sure. They're, they're, they're so rare. <laughs> there's probably 70 good PlayStation 2 controllers. There probably are. I mean, all those, oh my God, how many Hori Real Arcades are there for that? And, uh, like, yeah, there's probably a lot of them. Not to mention all the adapters and all that crap out there. They That could be it. You know, they just... There's like a, a certain rule, if, and, or, else, and go to 10 and whatever for the, the rule of hype. And it's it's complicated, but sometimes things just, you know, totally buck that trend, you know. There are exceptions to those rules. Like, um, for example, arcade boards, they're not all that expensive, you know. I don't see the point. I mean, like, you can buy a Street Fighter Zero Three arcade board for $100. So that sort of, like, makes you wonder, like, why would I pay 70 for the Saturn version of this game? Actually, I mean, the Saturn actually costs more than the arcade board at this point. I See, that's dumb. <laughs> Very. I don't, but see, people have these weird, I guess, you know, I have my own specific needs for what, you know, what I, de- what I define as real versus jive is <laughs> completely random in the eyes of some people, but I assure you there's a system to it. One thing that's baffled me recently is uh, in the Neo Geo world, you have obviously home cartridges and arcade cartridges. And historically, uh, you know, back in the day, arcade cartridge, 800 bucks, home cartridge, 200 bucks. You buy the home cartridge if you're, you know, a rich kid and you, and you get, and you get the game you want. Uh, everyone knowing that the contents are identical. Well, over time it's, uh, it's flipped because, there were, you know, 3,000 arcades in America that had Fatal Fury 3 in it and only 150 kids rich enough to own a Neo Geo. So now the arcade, now the home carts are worth tons of money and the MVS isn't worth anything. But a weird thing has happened where people collect complete MVS games, which makes no fucking sense <laughs> at what do, all. What do you mean complete? Complete is you buy them, they come in a cardboard box. Oh, not that I was going to say. It's that the is, cardboard, right? That is exactly the same as every other game ever released for the Neo Geo. It's the same cardboard box. There are stickers on the box that are the same stickers that are on the cartridge. And then inside you get a, mar- a mini marquee, 
a, a, a tiny piece of bubble wrap. I'm not even sure what it's there for because it certainly doesn't bubble wrap the entire contents of the box. And then you get a instruction sheet for the operator. Uh, you get a bunch of stuff like different language versions of the marquees and stuff. And people collect those. <laughs> like, that's not a retail product. That's like an industrial product. It comes in a cardboard fucking box. So, like, there's people trying to track down these cardboard boxes. I need one for real boat. You <laughs> know, cardboard boxes. And what's really incredible is I've heard these people are like, oh, I ordered these MVS games online. Can you believe they just put stamps on the box and mailed it to me? Like, yeah, because that's what SNK did. <laughs> they just put stamps on the box and mailed it to you. Because the operator opens the box, puts the cartridge in the machine, and throws all that shit away. In fact, a lot of times wouldn't even put the marquees in the thing, you know, because they would just have single game things at that point. Bizarre. That I mean, all of a sudden, and then there's people who are like, yeah, these noobs are coming along and jacking up the value on complete kits. Complete kit. To me, a complete MVS cartridge is it has to function, and um, it's not a boot because if it's a boot, it'll probably stop working. So therefore, I don't want boots. Uh, like my puzzle bobble is, looks real. You open it up, all it's got windowed EPROMs in it, <laughs> fake as hell. But the uh, I want it to function and honestly, not smell too bad. <laughs> those are my those are my qualifications because. Arcades are stinky, so I don't really care. This is the true arcade experience. It smells like cigarettes. It came from Mexico. Cockroaches ran out of it when I took out of the box. This is as real as it gets. Other people are like, you know, they, they, they don't put the cartridges in the machines because the, the machine will put scratches on the cartridge. I can see that it's would incredible. be a concern. Incredible. I mean, when you've gone that far. Now, I'm, I'd like to hear more about the bubble wrap, frankly, because I'm assuming this is very special Japanese bubble wrap. Yeah, it's pink or green, I think, and it's a little it's a little piece, but it's it's like, um, I don't know, like maybe 10 inches long by 4 inches. It, I was going to say, I know that the collectors have measured the number of oh, bubbles yeah. across and wide. Because it hasn't, this shit's still not worth enough money to, like, fake bubble wrap but it's weird they will eventually do that though like the little foam insert that comes in a pc engine hue card game mm-hmm. like they're gonna like synthesize that and then someone's gonna get busted for faking it and then there's <laughs> gonna be a giant thing on neogeo.com faking the bubble wrap that doesn't do anything i think it's just there to like provide positive tension on the inside of the cardboard box so that things in there don't rattle around um i don't know I, that's weird well, you know, I had a, a similar thought jokingly, and I, I said to myself, I'm going to make a bold prediction here. When I was at this collectible show, there was a video game booth, and I was browsing through it with some people, and we came across these cartridges, N64 cartridges, that were from um, Hollywood Video. Yeah. And we knew this because they branded them with an iron. Oh, boy. I don't remember that. Well, I don't know. I hadn't seen this before. But this said actually property of Hollywood video, and it was melted into the back of the cartridge. <laughs> They're through fucking around, man. You don't mess with those Mormons. <laughs> really? I, I worked at a video store chain called Video Watch, and uh, I always thought it should be called Watch Video, but they weren't, they weren't listening to me. But it got purchased by Hollywood Video, um, which was – did you have a lot of Hollywood videos out there? There were quite a few. Okay, yeah, we didn't we didn't have like any, so they just you know bought Video Watch and turned them into Hollywood videos, and then promptly died because they're a video place. 
but uh, it was weird because um, Hollywood Video was famous for being like I guess run by Mormons, and Video Watch was famous for having infinite quantities of pornography in the back. <laughs> and so we were all wondering like, when are they going to get rid of the porno room? I mean, like they're going to have to get rid of the porno room eventually. And we were all like, please get rid of the porno room because <laughs> we didn't want the porno room. Like no one wanted the porno room there. It was it was a horrible place that smelled different than the entire rest of the building. Even though they just had like those saloon doors on it, it somehow had an odor that stayed in there. <laughs> didn't go anywhere else. And uh, it was always awkward because people wouldn't turn, return their videos and you'd have to call them up and explain to them. like You'd have to uh, name the title. Yeah, you wouldn't do it on an answering machine, but you'd call and you'd get the wife, you know, and the wife who doesn't know about the habit. And, and she'd be like, well, what did he rent? Because we have Homeward Bound and Schindler's List here. No, it uh, it wasn't Homeward Bound or Schindler's List. Yeah, it was, uh, let's see, uh, what's it called here? Okay, yeah, yeah it was, and then there was like a big deal where somebody famous like Julia Roberts or somebody had their rental history leaked somewhere and sued the crap out of Blockbuster or something like that. And so, like, we had this directive where, like, yeah, you don't tell anybody what they rented at all. <laughs> Even if you call the guy and then he answers the phone, you just tell him he has movies that are out and he can come in if he wants to know which ones they are. And that's obviously not helpful for the guy trying to find the tape if he just wants to know what it is. Yeah, that, that so Hollywood Video, yeah. They they bought our store and, and all the Hollywood Video people, they had to wear cummerbunds and bow ties. And I, uh, I was mercifully fired before the bow ties came. Well, that's no. Good. I'm not gonna be working but, here. Um, for buns and bow ties. You know those porno rooms. Well, I haven't even finished my prediction yet. But those, those porno rooms, those things kept a lot of good video games on the shelf because there was a place called American Video in the Bay Area here. Uh, and, you know, I mean, they rented are, like Neo Geo cartridges. They there are a lot of American videos. <laughs> And they always ended up selling it, like, six months later, always to me for, like, pennies on the dollar. Not the Neo Geo stuff, unfortunately, but, um, you know, after a while, you know, I'd be talking to the owner, and he'd be like, oh, yeah, you want to buy this game? It turns out you're the only person that ever rented it. I'm like, oh, great, it's my own personal copy. It was just the porno that was funding everything else. In my time, we had an American video that didn't have any porn. It was a pretty good store, but... um they didn't last very long. I mean, they last a long time, actually, but they didn't outlast Video Watch slash Hollywood Video because uh, they didn't have any porn. But at, at my at my store, we had this... Um, when, it, when it was Video Watch, we had this, like, um, Unix-based cash register system, and it was very powerful in some ways and not in others. Like, it used green monochrome monitors that were, like, nine inches and uh, all that, but it... it um, it could tell you how much money each individual thing had made. So you could grab any tape and scan it. And some of those tapes, like there was a series called Caught from Behind. (laughs) And it was, they they went up to like volume 18 or something like that. And we had one of these things break. And, you know, VHS is repairable uh, to an extent, unlike DVD. And so you could just always cut out the, the portion that's all messed up by the player and get it working again. We found this tape, cut from behind 18 or something like that, and it had made like $2,700. Oh, my God. And, and it cost $7.50. I mean, the margin on that was so massive. 
And and I think we retired it out of respect rather than repairing it and putting it back on the street. Because you gave it an honorable discharge. From yeah, the it worked very hard. Some of these things, like uh, like I remember, um, the Pelican Brief came out, and we uh, we got sixty four copies of that. And isn't it amazing that there was a time when 64 copies of a thing was enough to satisfy an entire town? <laughs> only, only 64 people will be able to watch this movie tonight. Uh, and boy, they weren't happy about that. But anyway, it was uh, $109 for the tapes. So like sometimes you, a movie would come out and you'd rent it to somebody and they'd ne- it would never come back. <laughs> it would be gone the first time. So you got, you got $2.50 and... And that was it. The next copy has to make more money than that. And a real profit uh, windfall would come when things went straight to retail price. Like Forrest Gump came out at $20. So we got 128 copies of um, Forrest Gump. That thing made major, major money, even though we bought way too many units. Because it only cost 20 bucks. only have to rent it, you know, seven times or something. Games were a serious problem because Super Nintendo games are 70 or 80 bucks. And people want to rent them. Oh, they do not want to bring them back. Those RPGs. You ever know? I wonder why like Blockbuster never carried the RPGs because <laughs> they got stolen all the time. There's people never bring them back. Like no, no, rent Madden because no one even wants a Madden that's a year old. They want the new one. They won't steal it. But the only copy of Final Fantasy III for rent on the entire town. People want that really bad. I'm still kicking myself for not just uh, walking away with Final Fight Guy available exclusively from Blockbuster. Yeah, well, now you can get a 50 yen copy from Japan because that was a Japanese release. Good point. <laughs> that and uh, what was that other game Blockbuster had? Like, you were like a flying angel dude. It was uh, it was uh, only for Blockbuster, at least for a while. So I assume it was a Japanese game. <laughs> I don't, think I don't remember that, but I know they had like some freaking like N64 Clay Fighter Turbo or something. Oh yeah, no, they had uh, Clay Fighter Championship Edition or something. And that for goes for, of course, just a shitload on eBay. Uh, yeah, that's a special game though. My Final Fight guy is just fucking garbage. <laughs> like, a terrible version of Final Fight. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 exactly as terrible as the original Final Fight, only. It has instead of missing guy, it's missing Cody. <laughs> they all have Hagar in them. This was because they were uh, eight megabit or four megabit games or whatever at the beginning. Early on, they didn't have sixteen megabit games. I had to wait till Street Fighter Two to get that. And Final Fight in general is a horribly overrated game to an extent that I don't even understand why people think it's so great. Because it's it's not. It's a boring ass beat 'em up. There are way better games. And it's, then you it's have to all deal with, aesthetics. Yeah, but it, does it look that good? I mean, I guess the characters are really huge compared to Double Dragon, but it's uh, it's boring. It's really boring. Well, what are some of the not so boring or at least tolerable games that you have discovered for really cheap in your random purchases? Um, you can get Star Fox, um, very cheap. Mine had a dead battery in it, but. <laughs> Yeah, you can get that. Uh, you can get Super Mario World pretty cheap, although that game is nowhere near as common in Japan as it is here because they didn't have pack-ins. Uh, 
if you can if you can actually read some Japanese, then the RPGs are really inexpensive. Especially Dragon Quest four and five. Those things are worthless. Uh, if you can kind of read Japanese, then Mother Two is pretty good. Uh, the humor is gonna fly right over your head, but the whole game's in hiragana, so it's like possible to at least sound it out <laughs> as you're reading it. Um, I'm trying to think of what else do I have. Uh, recently I got, uh, no, those weren't really that cheap. $15 is way too much money. That uh, is. <laughs> I, was, I, I recently got Assault Suits Vulcan for $15, which I wanted so bad back in the day because I, I had the American version with like all the dialogue cut out of it and the headshots where they're talking back and forth. At the end of the game, the, the main character, the, the boss blows his brains out with a pistol and like all that shit's taken out of the American one. Um, Games, oh, uh, on PC Engine, there are quite a few. Uh, Twinbee is really cheap. Um, let's see, what else? Man, on on Saturn, everything is cheap. <laughs> like, all the first-party stuff on Saturn is cheap. The The shooters are not cheap. Uh, Dodon, Pachi, and those things are really expensive. But uh, stuff like Fighters Megamix, Virtual Fighter 2 is worthless as hell. Uh, Sega Rally, completely worthless. Uh, Saturn Bomberman is a, do- is a dollar game, and it's, it's fantastic. Um, I, you know, one thing I haven't, maybe this is something waiting to explode, PlayStation 1, I haven't spent any time looking at that. I noticed that I was at a big game show, and they didn't have shit for PS1. I mean, I was in there looking for Togue Max G and uh, Motor Tune Grand Prix 2, mm-hmm. and that was crazy. I couldn't even find Tekken. I mean, this huge place, there was probably, a, you know, 3,000 Famicom games in there, but almost nothing for PS1. Well, that kind of was something I was just about to say is, um, you know, with, the, like, Saturn especially, like, you know, my big importing days in the late 90s were, like, you know, I take my whatever money I've scraped together and I call up NCS and I order my, you know, Fighters Mega Mix for 60 bucks or whatever, Mm-hmm. Um, not only was I not going to spend that money on some unknown, possibly crappy game, but it just struck me that like neither was NCS for the most part, although they're notorious for investing in just shitloads of unsellable merchandise. Yeah, we'll take a thousand. But there copies are of Saturn that. games out there that I never even heard about, not even in magazines. Like two of them I picked up recently. There's like the Psychotron, which is a um, an FMV. Uh, American political thriller. <laughs> Whoa. Really? Um, there's the, I forget what the Japanese name is. It translates to The Murder of a Clown. <clears throat> Sweet. It has a crying clown in front of a circus on the cover. And you have to investigate this murder. It's like a, a first person, sort of like a, like a Kenji Ino kind of a thing. Mm. Oh boy. It's, uh, it's, probably terrible i haven't put in enough time but you know just weird stuff that i had no clue about and so to bring this around to the original point is uh i get the impression ps1 especially the japanese stuff there's still a lot of things out there that people really have not discovered yet oh yeah certainly i mean they had such a huge selection of things i remember going to conventions and seeing like what is this? It's like a pachinko game with lady cops in it, and but it looks like it has action sequences, and it's, oh, it's 90 bucks. Well, I won't be getting that. <laughs> well, that's worth 90 cents now. Let's probably check, track it down and see what, what the hell you that was. you got me was. interested now. 
Yeah, I'm. Uh, there's a, a web store in Japan called Rakuten, and they are kind of like Amazon. And just like Amazon, you can, um, any shop can sell whatever they want on there. That's actually the worst thing about Amazon is stuff on it that isn't on it from Amazon. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> other sellers are actually is what they're called technically. They are horrible. I hate other sellers. Um, but there is a seller on Octane called Surugaya A2, and I think they're fantastic. I've bought tons of stuff from them for like nothing. So right now I'm looking at their game shit. I've bought a few things. I bought a few things on there, the PC Engine games for a dollar. I'm looking at N64 right now. Let's see, they've got Wave Race for five dollars. Um, Pokemon something something for a buck. Um, what is this? Yoshi's Story 360. Uh, they translate. The pr- they automatically convert the prices to dollars, which is nice. Mario Party 3 for 12 bucks. I don't think you could find that easily in the United States. Mario 64 is still going for $13. Now, this shop is very inexpensive, so I'm actually kind of surprised at how high these prices are. Mario Kart 64 for $10. <clears throat> Majora's Mask for $20. Uh, Wonder Project J2 for $5.73. That's the game I spent more on than any other game. I, sp- I spent $114 or something like that on that game. No way. Yeah, yeah. I bought it right when it came out. Because wow. there was this... There was this huge, like, there's nothing on N64 for nine months. You know, there's, like, Mario. Because Japan, you had Mario, and you had um, that Shogi game, and you had, what was the other game? Pilot like, Wings. Pilot Wings. Uh, don't know any, I don't know anything about Shogi to this day, but I do know those other two games were very good. But then there was nothing. So, like, when perfect striker or something some soccer game came out it was like i'm thinking about buying a hundred dollar <laughs> soccer game because <laughs> it, it might be uh it might be worth it and then uh wonder project day two was like oh it's from enix it's an rpg it's not made out of polygon this is perfect i'm waiting for you know i'm waiting for the snes type action to happen again and uh that never happened <laughs> never became the snes I'm just never. surprised to hear that you actually owned an N64. Oh, yeah. I traded on all my Super Famicom shit to get it. Oh, God. That's why I hate it so much. I can see why <laughs> you would have... It's such a massive letdown. And the one that pushed me over the edge was uh, was Mario Kart, because that thing sucked. I don't care what anybody says. Mario Kart 64 is garbage uh, compared to the original. It, it, it they, That's when they went totally into that thing that they're they're even more into now we're just like random chaos in in the form of a racing game you know like no matter how good you are it doesn't matter because there are no corners it's just it's like a nascar track with shit flying all over the place constantly and you you can't really really kick anybody's ass in that game unless they're just helpless because there's just too much randomness so right now i'm looking at this uh at the uh, Super Nintendo stuff on uh, Surugaya. And also, with Super Nintendo, I'm finding the prices are not quite as low as you'd expect. Uh, Mario, in fact, this Super Mario collection we were talking about, it's actually 15 whole dollars. And uh, Yoshi's Island is a 7. That's weird. Because in this country, Yoshi's Island is worth way more than Mario uh, All-Stars. 
Dragon Quest V, $1.84. So evidently, I'm, I usually buy Laserdiscs from this place for laughably as puny sums of money, but evidently their games are not as competitively priced. I guess we're, uh, we're witnessing the bubble inflating as we speak. Well, I think they do have, like, there's some math going on. Oh, wow, it was a box Super Famicom for $30. That's pretty good. There's a, uh, I think when you buy shit, like, they have some computer that just automatically starts changing prices. So, like, if they have 10 of something and you buy one, then they jack the price up uh, 10 bucks. Well, this is weird. They have a PC Engine Duo. For one eighty-eight thirty-eight, that is a lot of money for a Japanese duo. Is that really? Yeah, because I mean, condition is. Here's another. Oh, this is something definitely worth talking about. Uh, condition. Oh my God, they have a duo R for two fifteen. That is like big bucks. Maybe these are all recently overhauled or something. Because <laughs> their their games prices are not so bad. I mean, let's see, let's see where's something good. Dragon Ball Z for PC Engine is pretty good, ten dollars. Um, Monster Maker, fifty cents. Yeah, this is all in line with everyone else. Five bucks for Street Fighter Two. Kiki Kai Kai is thirty. Uh, that's pretty average, I guess. Here's the thing about uh, if you buy stuff from Yahoo Japan or Rakuten sellers, uh, other than Rakuten, as far as I can tell, Rakuten's mainly used for buying blenders and clogs and things like that. But you know. The, but the, the sub shops, um, they sell whatever they want. Um, you will notice, like, let's say I'm going to look at this duo. If you're going to buy a $190 duo, you're going to have questions. You know, does it work? Are all the caps leaking all over the place? Well, let's see what kind of description they have of this. Well, it says PC Engine hardware, PC Engine duo. Uh, it's $188.38, which they will remind you is 70% off the original retail price. Uh, which they call Maker Hope Retail Price. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes they'll give you an original date of release. Uh, oh, this says free shipping? Really? Oh, that's, well, fuck. It's not so bad then. <laughs> uh, but anyway, that's all the description they give you. That's it. So sometimes I did have a couple bad experiences. I bought a game that was loose, and I didn't know it was loose. But when I back, went back and looked at the auction, I should have known it was loose because they'll give you some crazy fucked up description like, you know, that you understand now, oh, it means the case is not there. But it'll be like the most poorly translated thing. Um, because there's something different about the culture of buying shit on the internet in Japan that is completely different from the United States. Like, if on eBay, if you just put some game on eBay and used a stock photo and didn't describe it at all, you would never sell the fucker. Because everyone's like, what does it look like? I want 35 pictures. And I want you to explain the, you know, the uh, where it came from. They want like a Sotheby's quality documentation with 10 megapixel pictures. How many of every packs single a day did so, the owner smoke? Yeah, that's important. You're buying a white PC engine here? <laughs> really important. Uh, so, but in the in the Japan way of doing things, and this is definitely the case with Yahoo Japan, they just, they just put that thing up there. And they don't tell you anything about it. And they don't expect you to get to ask them any questions. And what happens is from I've 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 bought enough of this shit now that what I've discovered is you buy the thing, it comes and it's perfect. <laughs> That's basically how it goes most of the time. Like it I don't I don't wanna, you know, 
like reinforce some sort of bullshit samurai cliche about how honorable Japanese people are. I'm sure, I'm sure there are just as many scumbags in Japan as there are here. They're quite Americanized now. Uh, but that does seem to be the way they do things. I bought, um, let's see, recently I bought the complete LD box of Famous Holmes Detective. This is the Sherlock Holmes anime from the 80s where everyone's dogs and uh, Miyazaki worked on it for a while. And when I bought it, it showed a picture that I knew wasn't their picture. And it showed that it came with the book and the phone card and the, and the obi and all that stuff. But I knew it wasn't their picture. And, and, I, and I sent in my order. And what, how it works on this, this uh, Suguru sh- shop is uh, they then, they after, like a week later, you, you buy it. They authorize a dollar on your credit card. A week later, they send you an email saying, it's, here's your $50 worth of stuff. It's going to cost $120 to ship it. And then they'll put in any description that they, they think you need to hear about. And then you confirm your order. And for this one, for Sherlock Hound, it, it said, well, Sherlock Hound's the American vernacular name of this show. Uh, they said, Case and Dick are scratched. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, the case and the dick are scratched. And then that's all the information you have. It's like Texas Hold'em. You have very little information. You just have to come up with like a math thing in your head. So you're like, okay, Case and Dick are scratched. Well, this box set is fucking old. <laughs> it's 25 years old. It's heavy. Laserdisc boxes are very easy to damage because they're soft and heavy. So you just, you know, just moving them around, you'll bump them into things and, and ding them. Laserdiscs are extremely easy to ruin if you don't take care of them properly. But virtually everyone takes perfect care of them because they paid a lot of money for the stuff. But sometimes you get like fourth or fifth owner stuff and it's garbage. You buy it from the flea market and they were hanging it on the wall for five years and then they put it in the back of the jacket and gave it to you. So like, well, the dick is scratched. Man, the dick is scratched. Fuck, what am I going to do? If it's so, if the dick's so scratched up, it won't play. But I, I took the gamble because it was so inexpensive. They sent it to me. The outer, the outer box was a little dinged up the, the scratch on the dick itself was very minor. Uh, in fact, I think it was actually, it was radial, and it was outside, since they're TV episodes, there's two per side, so they're 44, 45 minutes. The very edge of the disc is is blank, and that's actually where the scratch was. So uh, very good, very good deal. Uh, I noticed now they're listing another one for way more than what I paid for mine, so this one might not have a scratch dick. One time, however, here's an example of things going badly. Uh, one time I ordered the Gundam Master Grade movie box. This is the original three movies, which are compi- uh, edited together footage of the original show, sort of digest versions of the show. And the Master Grade box was like of a full bells and whistles kind of a thing. So it was all in CAV. So that makes it uh, eight discs. And it came with a bunch of bonus crap on it. It had the footage from the Saturn game, which was all new animation that was very good. That was made for the Saturn game. But obviously on a Saturn, it didn't look that good. So here it was on Laserdisc. So you could see this, this cool animation and good quality. It had all the TV commercials on it. It came with a photo CD. It came with a certificate of authenticity. It's massive. Uh, okay, so I'm like, wow, it's really inexpensive. It was like five bucks. So I, I had him send me this thing, and uh, I ordered it. The email they sent me says, certificate is missing. That's what they said. The stuff finally comes, and it's true. The certificate was missing. 
In fact, everything was missing except disc eight. That's all I got. Disc eight. Uh, hmm. So that didn't go so well. But here's the deal. Like, the the positive side of that is, um, disc eight is the best disc to have if you only have one disc because that's where they put all the Saturn footage and the TV commercials and all that shit. It's definitely the one worth keeping. If I only had disc four, I'd, I'd be a little more depressed. But now I want to get this thing now. I still want to get the full thing. So I see it like now they have it for $18.33. And I'm like, man, I want to get this thing. What am I going to... For some reason, I think I'm going to get burned on this exact movie again, even though there's no logical reason <laughs> to think if that. If you buy enough of them, you'll assemble a whole set eventually. It'd be great if they sent me like everything but disc eight. <laughs> oh my God, there's the rest of my discs. Put them in there. Uh, overall, though, I mean... Anime on Laserdisc is like, oh, God, it's so not valuable. I mean, there are a few things, like, I've run across, this is something we didn't do earlier, but things you still can't get cheap. Uh, the Gotcha Man Laserdisc box, which, from what I hear, is not that great, still goes for a couple hundred dollars. That was a monstrously overpriced box. It was like a thousand bucks, the first series of, uh, of Gotcha Man. Um Still can't get that very cheap. Uh, another one is, and trust me, I have no ish interest in this. There's this hentai anime called La Blue Girl. There is evidently a live-action version of this. <laughs> I believe I've seen a clip of that. And I'm not sure how that's possible. <laughs> but uh, uh, it's not, cause I'm not sure that's possible because La Blue Girl is not like a an Ujin story. It's it's just like just demons and everything, you know. It's like I don't even know how you do that. Um, but evidently, that I th- I think it's quite possible that it's it's never been on DVD or something. So it's uh, it's uh, it's still valuable. Um, there are probably more than a few things like that. But in the early two thousands, late nineties, we did see an explosion of anime on DVD in the United States, especially, but also in Japan and and a few things like. Robot Carnival and Five Star Stories did eventually come out on DVD, thus making their valuable as hell laser discs completely cheap. But the bad news is they're not they're oftentimes pretty crappy DVDs. The Robot Carnival DVD is nothing to write home about and there is no American one, so the disc is still worth a couple bucks, you know, thirty or forty dollars or something. But for the most part, it's a total buyer's market and I, I can't even watch the shit as fast as I'm buying i finally drilled all the way through that dirty pair box set and um i which is video quality is bizarrely defective on that thing Hmm. strange digital mastering thing they were doing back then looks weird uh the sherlock hound thing i'm going through i'm going through all this gundam shit and i recently ordered the uh aragama rascal box (laughs) that's a year-long tv show (laughs) about the, the children's book rascal I'm uh, dying to get that one. But it takes time to watch a 50-episode series. So what else can't you get for cheap? Uh, you know, a lot of the older, I mean, not the older, the later uh, Super Famicom stuff that's uh, valuable in the U.S. is strangely also valuable in Japan. I guess people gave up at around the same time and just didn't buy the games. Like Final Fight Tough, which is Final Fight 3, that goes for just a ton of money. Like oh, upwards you know, of a hundred bucks sometimes. The American one's expensive too, I think. There's like a lot of obscure, like kind of fighting games that uh, came out late. Of course, those were like 
you know, as we said before, those were like $120 games in some cases. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there, there weren't really people lining up to get that stuff. But, uh, I mean, just your general, you know, anything on Saturn that's made uh, by Cave or... Uh, oh, yeah. Some of those, well, some of those shooters are cheaper on PlayStation because they went into the, uh, they went into a reprint series that Sega never bothered with. Like they'll make a Sega Corey version of Dodon Pachi, but not, no, they'll make it of Don Pachi, but not Dodon Pachi. And so one of those is cheaper. And a lot of those shooters, I mean, I know it's conventional wisdom that Saturn versions are better, but they're not always better. Sometimes they're the same. And sometimes like in the case of in the hunt, PlayStation is better. Yeah, I think I heard, like, uh, Dodon is much better on PlayStation, actually. That's possible, yeah. I mean, if you've only played one version, you don't know. If you don't live in Japan, you've certainly never played the arcade version. So it, you, sometimes you can just be blissfully ignorant. Like, people that played KOF 98 on PlayStation went, oh, this is not a very good game. No, no, it is a very good game. It's just you're playing on PlayStation. You now, even though we've not. been talking all this time about this, where does the definition or the entity of chokusoges come in here? The amazingly, I mean, we're not necessarily talking about shitty games. No. And in some cases, the shitty games are more expensive than the good ones. Oh, yeah. I think they still want like 10 bucks for Death Crimson Ox. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> or is it OX? Is it Ox or OX? I've never figured that out, but I, I, uh, I paid, stupidly, I paid $13 for a copy of a Saturn game called J-SWAT. Ooh, Have you heard um, of this? I can't remember. Maybe not. This is I, really bizarre. This is like... Okay, let's say Call of Duty was not the first video game franchise to become really overly fascinated with military hardware. <laughs> oh, I this game is made is by Ben Presto. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And they must have spent like twenty thousand dollars on squibs and airsoft guns, <laughs> and dudes running around in warehouses firing them. So and is then this they a spent five dollars developing a like sub Wolfenstein level first person shooter to go along with them. <laughs> and so you're shooting digitized enemies that are clearly the production staff. Oh, great! And like really, really like. You're, well, they're called terrorists, which in <laughs> mid-90s Japan was like people wearing like uh, an allergy mask with a mohawk. Like that was... Oh, great. Yes. That was a really insurgent... The, the Megazone 2-3 uh, character there. mixed with the uh, Heaven's Gate. Yes. <laughs> okay. there, there is no sarin gas subway uh, extraction <laughs> level, but... Uh, God, is it horrible. It is absolutely horrible, but it's fascinating to watch because it was clearly a lot of enthusiasm was put into it. So you control it like like Wolfenstein. Yeah, it's not it's, a straight-up gun game. It's a first-person shooter. Okay. But it has Area 51 uh, Carnival-type <laughs> aesthetic to it, like <laughs> yeah. a midway. Yes. That, that is amazing that it was hyper-real because, yeah, the, that's an aspect of... Uh, of uh, otaku culture that is never going to be gotten into on this show, which is a military freaks. Like, oh, do they exist? And oh, do they know everything? Like, these are guys who are like, they've never even seen a gun before. But if you just stood them next to, like, a Sherman tank, they could operate in that fucker, start it up, and drive it away in <laughs> 10 seconds because they have studied everything. They know how to prime the fuel pump, and they know how to preheat the block, and they know how to load the gun and aim it, and... 
they've done all the math, you know, on uh, how to do long range shelling. And I mean, yeah, it's, it's weird. They know how to break down and field strip guns because they have like one, one scale models of them. They're non-functioning, but the same size as the real thing. <laughs> I mean, you can buy models of guns in Japan, which is something that in America we have no need for since we are swimming in the real thing. <laughs> Like, you could literally fill a swimming pool with guns. This is about your friends over, like Scrooge McDuck, just swimming <laughs> through guns. I think uh, I've found the uh, the cheap stuff on this web store, by the way. Uh, Longerser 3, $1.17. Puyo there Puyo Sun, $1.56. Sega Rally Championship, $0.46. Cents. Uh, Ponzer, oh, there's a Ponzer 1 and 2 collection. I forgot about that. Uh, Panzer Dragoon 1 and 2 together, $30. It's expensive. Wow. Virtual Fighter 2. Guess how much for Virtual Fighter 2? Virtual Fighter 2. 20 cents. 6 cents. Lemmings 3D, $10. Uh, World Advanced, I remember that. $7.47. Evidently, that's kind of expensive. Super Robot Wars F. I don't know if that's F, the first F or the second F. $1.33. Uh, Die Hard, seven bucks. Oh, big time, big time for that. Street Fighter Collection, which is very good, eleven bucks. Mega Mix, eleven cents. <laughs> <laughs> Puyo Puyo Tsu, two dollars twenty five cents. Uh, they actually have an Elevator Action Returns for thirty three dollars and twenty seven cents. That's a damn good deal. That's not bad. Uh, they have a Princess Crown for twenty nine forty nine. There's got to be something wrong with that. Here, there's one type of damage that I I only see on Japanese games, even though they're largely in good condition. I've never gotten a game from any other country or locality that had sun damage as frequently as Japanese games. Yeah, I think I can only guess of... that's due to like the more mom yeah. and pop nature of the retail environment or something. Well, they they put the shit outside a lot. Or maybe I mean, those paper windows, if they still have those. No, no, they 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 sit in shops for years and years, and they actually, when the shop opens up, they literally put shit outside because it's when they close it, it's so crampful of shit you can't walk through it. Yeah, yeah, that's there, true. There's actually a lot of that. Um, I love the description though. Like sometimes you'll come across it'll say like game has a suntan on spine. <laughs> uh, you know what? Uh, actually, one of the things I found was they said. This is a perfect example of something that made no sense until I bought it. It said something like, the game is blue. <laughs> like, what? And then when I got it, I'm like, oh, yep, it's blue. Because it's the, when you when you tan CMYK, the blue is more durable than the yellow and the red. So oh, you get, right. You get the yeah. game, and it's been in the sun, and it's it's tan. It, the game is blue. So if you see that, <laughs> that's what that means. Um yeah, I don't see... There's no comments on uh, this Princess Crown and why it's only $30. I mean, I know there's a Sega Corey version of that and a regular version. I don't This is I don't know which version th- this is, but here's a Virtua... Oh, this... Okay, Sega Saturn software, Virtua Cop with cancer. <laughs> $1.92. Hmm. With cancer. Hmm. Now, they are showing the version that came boxed with the gun. Is the gun called Cancer? I thought the gun, there was a name for the gun. It was just called, like, Virtual Gun or something. It was It was actually called Virtual Gun. Yeah. This one, for Virtual Cop, actually, it's a Virtual Gun in a box by itself. That one just says Virtual Gun, yeah. Fighting Vipers, 11 cents. Virtual Highlights, $2.35. What a ripoff. Uh, <laughs> what a, just a screwing that is. Uh, 
Fighting Vipers, 11 cents. What is this? Evangelion, 53 cents. I mean, Something. Fighting Vipers for 11 cents. How can you go wrong there? <laughs> I mean, 11 cents for Pepsi Man. Yeah, because you get Pepsi Man on that one. Meanwhile, Pepsi Man for PlayStation. That Talk about an expensive game. That is sought after. I was at uh, that show, and these these some guy had the uh, UFO ramen game for Super Famicom. Oh, I love that game. I, I almost got that. It wasn't very expensive. What is a 10 times direct memory for Sega Saturn Hardware SS? It, it That's says, like an action replay, maybe? It says, no, it's not, because there's a picture of it. it. Looks It's a crappy aftermarket cartridge. It says X10 direct memory on it, and then the name in Japanese, it just says 10 and then some kanji. I can't read direct memory. So, oh, and it says has 80,000 blocks on it. <laughs> you know, that's something I didn't factor in when I started buying all these cheap-ass PlayStation 1 and Sa- or no, not Saturn, but like uh, Dreamcast especially. Oh yeah, I need 50. It's like, you know, you use. fit all your you played Tetris with your memory blocks there to get all your good games on there. Mm-hmm. That's all out the window. I got to buy like 500 VMUs just to <laughs> They're so small. Even try some of these games. You get that one with the pages on it, the official one with the pages on it. That one's pretty commodious. Oh, they did make one like that, didn't they? Yeah. Uh, the reason why I'm asking about the 10 times direct memory is because they want $65 for it. You hmm. know, on a, on a, this is Are a there even that find. many Saturn games? Well, the, the Saturn internal memory is not so bad. The official memory card is infinite. So yeah. I don't, I don't know if like, I need anything bigger than that. Uh, here's something called It's Youth. My Sega Saturn software game. <laughs> Three bucks. Vampire Hunter, 31 cents. That's a steal. Tactics Ogre, which I forgot existed on Saturn. Possibly never knew that it existed on Saturn. Six dollars. I recently got that for 100 yen on Super Famicom, like perfect in the box and everything. And that game is gorgeous. Tactics Ogre on Super Famicom. Oh, yeah, It, yeah. it is so good looking. I mean, man. And I, I only use an S-Video. I don't even have an RGB set up for my main Saturn. I only, I only have one RGB monitor, and it's downstairs with arcade shit hooked to it. And uh, But Saturn, uh, SNES on S-Video is very good looking. And uh, that game is, is good if you can handle it. Whoa, they want 100 bucks for Radiant Silver Gun. If I put Radiant Silver Gun on eBay USA right now, it would be gone in 10 minutes for 100 bucks. Oh, easily. Because here's the deal. I put my second component video cable up the other night. I'm like, do I really have two of these? And I went, <laughs> I remember I had two. And so I went and they looked all over the place. And then I was like, oh, I do have two. And so I hooked them both up to make sure they both worked. I, I contacted the one person I knew who had one of these things and made sure that this wasn't theirs for some reason. So I really had a spare. So I, I put it on eBay and it was up there for like two minutes before somebody bid on it. Then I got somebody trying to, inst- for some, I'll buy it off you for $40, they said. Uh, like, okay, uh, no, if you want to pay $40, bid $40. <laughs> That's why I put it on eBay, you know. And I tried getting rid of this thing in like less profitable ways. I mean, I offered it for trade for a couple of people. I took it to that game show. And I, you know, I said, people, you want to give me trade for this? And they were just, the only guy who wanted it was going to give me like $30 for it. And he was a dude that was ripping people off so bad that I, I'm like, fuck you. Because I know he was going to put it on eBay for, for with a $300 buy it now the next day. I mean, it, he was a massive gouger. 
And so I'm like, fuck you, I can't, you're not, you're not getting it. So I just stuck it up on eBay and I, I put it on there for 99 cents, you know, opening bid. And last I checked, it's over $120. Good Lord. Freaking component video cable. And the thing is, I put a, I put a buy it now on it of $120. If anybody wanted for $120, they could have just bought it. You know, that's what always kills me. I listed a couple of uh, shoot 'em ups, Xbox 360 releases. And the first thing I discovered is just buy them all when they come out, and it's like renting them because you can flip them and <laughs> make your money back. But I put a buy it now on there of like $65, and it end, it went to bidding, and it sold for like over 100 That's what, That's what I don't get. I don't get it at all because I this same thing happened to me. Uh, I sold that Saturn Power Man, and I, 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 whoever bought it in the, by the standards of the market today got a very good deal. Um, I did the same sort of thing. I put a ninety-nine cent um, opening bid, and I buy it now of like sixty or seventy or something like that. But the guy who won it for like ninety, he was bidding on it when it was only going for a dollar. <laughs> Yes. So I'm like, what are you fucking retarded? I mean, like, if don't, don't you know what you'll pay? Like, if you knew you would pay ninety, why didn't you just buy it now for sixty? It's it's crazy. There's no brains on eBay. Have There's you a lot of strategy and no really intelligence. Small, it, well, unless they're shill bidders, I don't know, but they're using really small increments. They're like, man, maybe if I can bump this game up from eight fifty to eight seventy five, I'll be able to get it. Yeah, not understanding that if they put $1 million in the box, that the computer would do that for them automatically until the auction was over. They don't and seem to understand it for $9. That. Yeah, and they'd win it for $9. It's like, I, I don't get it. There's all sorts of strategy. It's like, it's like voodoo or something, you know? It's like there's this huge system of rules that don't work because it's all bullshit. <laughs> like, why don't you just figure out what you want to pay, type that number in, Check back and we can find out if you won or not. Didn't win? Try it again, because you know all the stuff will eventually drop down. And and but the, the amazing thing about the GameCube component video cable—it's so strange that a component video cable would be worth money. But uh, for people that don't know, the component video cable for the GameCube was only available through Nintendo in the United States by mail order, and there are no third-party alternatives because the cable is fairly complex. It has a um, has a chip in it and everything. Uh, the strange thing um, about this is, what, what was I going to say? Uh, there's a ton of them. I mean, a ton of them. Like, there's one that sells. It's not just one guy will sell one for 200 bucks. There's one, like, every three days that goes for 200 bucks. There was a dude last month, I was looking at completed auctions, and he had a bunch of boxed Japanese ones, which probably aren't that common because, like, half of the ones in Japan are D-video on the end and half of them are component um, separated he had he had like seven of them boxed ones and he and, and they went for like a hundred dollars a piece like every day for a week <laughs> so it, it's it people really want these fucking things bad i think nintendo kind of screwed up by not putting that cable in the box or putting it in the store i think they definitely screwed up by not putting it in the store yeah um maybe i'm thinking like did i have a television with component at that time i guess i must have just gotten one so it was it was kind of exotic, but not too exotic. Yeah. I mean, certainly any TV sold, because the Cube came out in 2002. If you bought a TV that year, it definitely had a component, because the component was getting to be pretty standard by like 99 or 90, 97, 98. It wasn't on everything, but it, I mean, I bought a, 
I bought a, uh, <laughs> this is crazy, for the 2004 presidential election, I bought a television to watch it. Because <laughs> I was over at somebody what? else's house. I was over at somebody else's house. They didn't have a television. We we wanted to see Bush get his ass kicked. So that real worked. That worked that, out well yeah, for you. That did not work out so good. Uh, bought a, a Samsung like 15 inch TV, very small, uh, but it had component video on it. it. Didn't have S video. It was the first TV I've seen with component and not S video, and now that's normal. But there it was. It was stereo. It had a, a flat tube. It was it's very nice TV. Uh, for some reason, it died recently. I hope I can fix it. But anyway, yeah, I bought that for like $120, <laughs> and it had uh, it had component video in 04. So it was not a very exotic feature. But keep in mind that like, what do you get when you buy a when you buy a PS3? Do you get a component cable? No, you get an HDMI, or do you get an HDMI? I, think I don't know what you get. I got. I haven't touched my PlayStation 3 since I bought it last year. Like literally, I haven't moved it from the spot where it's been collecting a pile of dust. Uh, but you did take it out of the box. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, mine mine plays Netflix, uh, but I think I when I bought it, yeah, I bought a component video cable for it, and then I immediately got a new television and didn't need it, so I have a HDMI now. So eventually, you got to figure they're going to discover enough supply of these uh, component cables to outstrip the number of actual diehard uh, GameCube players out there. Sure, and we're in the we're think. in the midst of this whole like retro remake nonsense with like Ducktales and you know all this. When does it end? Is this is this bubble a bubble or is it permanent? Well, it will end. I'm, it will. It'll probably end before this. But one point at which it will end will be when the old hardware becomes so difficult to maintain that only like crackpots will actually do this. Like, right now, it's fairly uh, chic to buy a GameCube because there's no such thing as a broken GameCube. So it's easy to go down there and just buy one, and the discs are pretty cheap. But some of these systems, like uh, like keeping PC engines running, can be a little difficult, the CD systems. Uh, keeping PlayStation 1s running, there'll always be a working PlayStation 1 somewhere. Somewhere. But there's going to be a lot of broken ones, man. <laughs> They're going to be just dying like flies. Uh, and what's going to happen is like, you know, in 10 years, there will be no physical media. You'll only be able to Netflix shit. And so you're going to have to like decide what, what camp you're in. Are you the sort of person like normal, decent people who just turns on your Omni box and gets all your entertainment from this? Or are you one of those freaks that has a giant closet full of shit that you need to keep all this old stuff running? Because it does like, I'm already, you know, discovering like, how marginalized you have to make yourself in order to continue with this kind of crap. Because like, if you're serious about this, you definitely need two AV setups. There's no question. Oh, absolutely. I mean, because if you have, uh, if you have like, I mean, this is assuming you want to watch movies on Blu-ray. So you want a plasma set, 70 inches, right? It's got to be, fucking enormous it's got to be a screen so bright that it just burns your eyeballs out okay well that's great so you can watch iron man 3 on it or whatever but you know your nest games are going to make you puke on that thing they're too big they're too blurry and they're garbage 
So you have to have this little like anything's better for Ness, even if you have like a 13 inch TV with an you know it's RF connection, rabbit ears on it. It's way better than a new TV. Which I actually bought one of those, and I've got it sitting in the corner for my Ness and all that shit. Is that rabbit ears on it? <laughs> no, well, I didn't have those. It didn't have those. Um, but it was six dollars. So. Yeah, they're not worth anything. I there's a there's a Sony PVM on Craigslist for seventy five dollars. I'm thinking about going to get because I, I do not need it. I don't need it <laughs> at all. I have a JVC PVM. It's perfect. But someday it'll blow up. Right? Exactly. You're so, gonna need it sooner or later. I'm just need- crossing my fingers that my uh, my Sony. Uh, Wega doesn't die anytime because I'm gonna be screwed. That that thing is, that thing's such a ticking time bomb. Well, it's, it's like one of these people that like you know they have to tear down a wall to get them out of their house because they weigh 500 pounds. It's like mm-hmm. that thing's in here. It's never leaving. It can't. Yeah, it's it is well over 200 pounds. It really like sucks. To, do you have you have the stand right? Oh yeah. I in, yeah. in fact I had a custom uh, glass top cut for it that's like half inch <laughs> yeah that one um i i love that tv um because even i mean it's great for laserdisc because it has every bell and whistle in it to make standard definition movies look fantastic doesn't look as good for old games as a real standard definition monitor does because it doesn't have a standard definition mode it's it's always like 720p or 1080i or something. It doesn't really do standard definition, but it's still pretty fucking good, mm-hmm. especially with like the Super NES and the Saturn. PS1 uh, looks really rugged on it. I don't like that at all. Yeah, well, PS1 has a weird video signal. Remember when like you couldn't use a PS1 on a Zenith? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like it wouldn't work on a Zenith. Uh, but I, the, my, my concern with that TV is I don't think anyone's ever repaired one <laughs> ever. Certainly no one near me has ever repaired one. They're monstrously complicated, and they require, even the service menu is scary compared to other TVs. And, like, I want to get a, I I tried to find a guy to come to my house and calibrate it, and I can't find anybody. Because just no, now no one calibrates TVs anymore. They all have LCDs, and they don't need calibration, and they're so cheap. I mean, they don't need low-level calibration. Like, you still need to run a calibration disc or whatever, but they don't need convergence settings and and all that. So like I I start watching mine and and I love it for the standard definition. And it's also fantastic for HD. Like I was watching the uh, Gundam Unicorn Blu-rays on it over HDMI and it's it's so good. It's so good. It's way better than LCD because you can't. It blurs it just enough where you can't see the pixels. You know, like it's high res. But yet it's just it's just softened enough. It's like plasmas like this too. It's just softened enough where you don't see these fucking edges on everything. It's it's amazing. But it's so complicated and I know it's gonna crap on me. You know, like <laughs> I was watching that movie Memories and there's a lot of stuff in space and I noticed that like when bright objects fly over dark objects, you do get a little bit of ghosting. And a little bit of ghosting is okay. But when it starts to get really bad, then you know the individual driver chips for the individual guns are, are burning out. And I'm starting to get worried. Like, is it going to burn out? What am I going to do? There's nothing made, nothing on earth made that will substitute for this television. Yeah. I don't care how much money you have. The only thing you can get is another one of these XBR 960s. 
Well, actually, I found out there's a version of this TV that's identical, except it doesn't have that shitty anti-glare coating on it. Oh, really? It's it sort of like mine, d- except the coating only exists in a couple places now. Yeah, because if you dared like breathe on it, it comes off. Uh, I don't know the name of it, but I think it has like an H on the end of the number or something. Uh, I don't know what I'm going to do if that thing craps. I should be looking for another one of those, but that's a little more difficult to move around than a PVM. <laughs> PVM's got a handle on it. <laughs> it's, it's only 17 inches or 13 inches or whatever and easy to move around. Yeah, so, most, most of the Craigslist postings for these kind of TVs are, you know, the requirement is that you bring enough manpower to actually move it. Yeah, the, a lot of them they're like they're free. Yeah, if you Just, can lift it, it's yours. But I'm I found one that was like, a, it wasn't the XPR 960. It was a KX or whatever those standard definitions are, but wide with uh, 16 by 9 enhanced mode and all that. My friend has the same one. It's very good, um, and he was like, it's free, but it's in my basement, and I have a bad back, so you must bring a truck. <laughs> A friend who's healthy and don't even ask me to touch it because I'm not touching it. And that's like, a, I couldn't find anybody to help me go get it. But I, I do think that like, that, that as to the point where like, when is this retro bubble going to die? I think it's going to be that. When only like the creeps are able to keep the shit going and everyone else is like, why don't you just use your iPhone? You know, <laughs> you'll be able to do anything with it at some point. They'll be playing Mario Brothers on a touchscreen, and they'll be happy with it because it's been so long since they held a real controller that they have no clue what the fuck it even is. This this is like, you know, a Terry Gilliam-type future dystopia situation, but, whoa, Strahl is on Saturn? Yes, it is. I didn't know that. It's $3.89 here. Seems like a lot of money. If you want uh, Victory Gold 97, no, that's 93 cents. Oh, man. Oh, here's a... Uh, Mobile Suit Gundam Side Story. You've seen those? Oh, and the, the uh, Digipack ones? Yeah, they're like budget releases. They came in three parts. Yeah, yeah. I, I recently got all three of those for $20 at that show I went to. It's a pretty good deal. I've been meaning to... I have a couple of those. I'm, I've never booted them up. The, uh, the second and third ones work with the twin stick. Oh, nice. The first one doesn't. I haven't played mine since I bought it, but... Uh, oh, I found another weird cart. Two professional action replay game capture navigators for uh, Sega Saturn. <laughs> uh, this is a little weird. Oh, is there a big picture here? It's like some guy who kind of looks like a combination of Sonic the Hedgehog and Mario on the cover. And it does say pro action replay. For some reason, it's $87.74. Are those worth money? strangely uh, sought after, I guess. Odd, because, I mean, this appears to have Japanese language text on it. None of the action replays I've ever seen had any Japanese on them. They were all from China. Uh, I mend the Sega Saturn baseball. It looks like let's make a pro baseball team. <laughs> $1.83. Oh, remember the weird uh, stick? The Space Harrier limited edition stick? The virtual joystick with like a flight stick on one side. $35 for that. It's Sega Saturn Software Space Harrier Limited Special Pack with Stick. There must be a dedicated group of like wing arms players out there that need that stick. (laughs) Or Space Harrier, I suppose. The boss who is huge finally of each stage is waiting. 
that's what it just, that's how it describes space harrier. That's a pretty accurate description. So it seems like what you okay, going back to what you cannot get for nothing. You cannot get big things because shipping is very expensive. You cannot get radiant silver gun for less than a hundred dollars, not even at this place. You cannot get uh arcade machines because they cost too much to ship you cannot get certain rare anime laser discs but fewer and fewer every day it seems um you cannot get rakugaki showtime probably i assume it's probably expensive um stuff like that but for the most part you can totally get stuff that is absolutely worth playing um like space invaders with (laughs) This is Sega Saturn game, Space Invaders, with Puzzle Bubble 2X on the same disc for some reason. $15. Not too bad. Um, what is Jungle Park? $3. Marvelously low-spec polygon type game. <laughs> Blockheaded people. Yeah. So anyway, it looks like uh, if you're willing to live 20 years in the past, uh, the world is your oyster. But it is the world of 1998, so keep that in mind. Yeah, so as you're trying to buy happiness, uh, just just make sure it's like the happiness of uh, about a decade ago. Yeah, the truth is, just never grow as an individual, and you'll be fine. If you <laughs> if you keep your goals materialist and myopic and childish, then uh, there it is. It's all it's all waiting for you. I think we've done quite well on that front. I think that's pretty good. Well, wasn't that a nice conversation? It uh, went on for quite a while and uh, wasn't very focused but I think we covered a lot of interesting points the point is there are great games for nothing you don't really have to spend 70 bucks on every single thing that comes out Um, I'm going to call this episode done Uh, the next one I'm going to talk about uh, well I already talked about it whatever's in episode 4 is already recorded Episode 5, I'm going to talk about uh, Aragama Rascal and a few other things. Um, Old Super Famicom game adapter called Super Famicom Turbo, which allows you to play games that exist in two different cartridges at the same time. Weird thing. And uh, other things. Uh, So see you next time.
ずっといつまでも長生きしてください夢の宇宙旅行きっとできる日が来る